We try to play with great pace. We try to play with great pace. Ran a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop uh, type actions. Oh, you'll see us play. Some people look at the guy next to him and say, what the hell was that shot? Hell, I could have been Gronk before Gronk was Gronk. And welcome back to another episode of, of Bangerangs and Daggers. As always, I'm your host out here in our nation's capital of Washington, D.C., Kevin Knight. Uh, it's been a bit since we've been uh, back with you. We apologize for the delay. Quite a few things have happened since then, um, including, of course, the fact that Nebraska signed its first ever five-star basketball recruit in its 2021 class, Bryce McGowns. Now, uh, to be fair, there were some great recruits in the 90s, but this is before all the star rankings came out and whatnot. So certainly a great moment for Coach Hoiberg there, and we'll go into more detail about that later in uh, future episodes, along with uh, bigger breakdowns on the games thus far. Uh, but we'll just mention it real quick in passing. Nebraska's class after early signing period ranks third in the Big Ten, 26th nationally, includes five-star Bryce McGowans, four-star Wilhelm Breidenbach, and three-star Juco recruit. I'm probably going to mispronounce it. I'll learn it sometime when he when he gets to Lincoln. Kaisi Tamanaga out of Japan, and he is a Juco down in uh, Texas at uh, Ranger College and is quite the outstanding three-point shooter. Uh, Nebraska started the season already. They are 3-1 and one after a 102-55 win over McNeese State, and then they split their games in the Golden Window Classic against Nevada, falling 69-66, beating North Dakota State 79-57 in their second game. And on Monday, no, I'm sorry, on Tuesday night, rather, uh, they downed South Dakota Coyotes 76-69, and they'll next play on Sunday against Florida A&M at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 Central, for everybody who, you know, actually lives in Central Time Zone, which is most of the listeners of this podcast. So, um, But tonight, our focus is going to be on breaking down the Big Ten conference schedule. Um, earlier tonight, we're recording this on Thursday night, FYI. Earlier tonight, they released the TV network for all but one of the 20 games. 18 of them will be on the Big Ten Network. The game against Wisconsin in Lincoln will be on ESPN2 or ESPNU. Uh, that's up in the air. And the season opener at Wisconsin is TBD on the network. Um, but joining me tonight, I happen to have a uh, – it, it's a Spartan takeover, uh, so to speak. I have uh, Paul Fanson, um, who has been a contributor to the MSU fan site, The Only Colors, for a little over a year. Paul is a 1998 graduate of Michigan State University, go green, go in chemical engineering, and he also has a PhD from the Boilermakers, Purdue University, uh, in 2002. Um, so we won't talk about the game upcoming this Saturday in football, um, but you know, um, for his day job, he works in research and technology planning for a global Fortune 100 company in the automotive sector. And on the internet, he is sometimes known as Dr. Green and White and enjoys tinkering with various sports-related statistics and analytics. Uh, so he's far, far smarter at me at analyzing these things. So it's a special treat to have him on to talk about the Big Ten schedule with us. Uh, thank you very much for agreeing to be on here, Paul. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Kevin. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little Big Ten hoops with you here. Um, and don't worry, I'm, I'm not that partial to the Boilermakers in football, so it's, a, it's not going to be a problem. I mean, I, I think we can all agree, Huskers, Spartans, Boilermakers, most of the college football world, that it's pretty awesome that Nick Saban has a 3-0 and 
or I'm, I'm sorry, an 0-3 streak right now active against Purdue. Um, That's as true. bad as that was at the school that he uh, came that streak at, it is pretty funny that uh, that is the case. So. That is. That's amazing. I actually don't think I knew that stat, so I'll have to keep that in my back pocket for a later date. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, so the, uh, the Big Ten schedule this year, it's, uh, it's going to be brutal, um, isn't it? It's not no, looking it, great. No matter which yes, team we'll, it is. We'll, we'll get to the, the numbers in more detail in a minute here, but yeah, it's not, it's not, not looking great, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you want to talk us about, um, you have your own method of looking at the schedule. Um, use Ten Palm, I know, pretty heavily, but uh, could you kind of talk to listeners a little bit about what all it is that that you do to to take a look at this? Sure. So I've uh, I've been tinkering with some of these different methods, and I've been sort of refining them over the last five years or so. But yes, as you mentioned, I do lean pretty heavily on Ken Palm efficiency data. And so I guess for those that may not not know about that, it's, it's basically a tempo free kind of points per possession type of metric. And there's both an offensive version and a defensive version. And if you subtract those, you get what's called an efficiency margin. And that essentially will give you, you know, how many points that the team would expected would be expected to beat another team by if they were to play each other. And so from that, you can pretty easily extract what looks pretty close to a Vegas betting line. And that's actually quite useful because betting lines, there's a very long set of data on that and it correlates very well to actually victory probabilities. And so what I like to do is I like to take those probabilities and and you can see those on Ken Palm's website as well if you subscribe to him, but I have kind of my own correlation that matches it almost exactly and I I just use that. Um, But then once you have probabilities for, say, an entire set of games, for example, the entire Big Ten season, you can basically tweak your play with the numbers and you can um, run some simulations and kind of get some some idea of of odds for various, you know, kind of full season events. Um, And so how that kind of works is the, the way I like to think about it is like a series of coin flips. And so, you know, of course, if you were to flip a coin 10 times, um, you'd expect to get roughly five heads and five tails. Um, And so another concept I'd like to use is that of expected value. And so I'll talk a little bit about expected wins. And so in the example I just mentioned, if you flip a coin 10 times, the expected number of heads is five. It doesn't mean you're going to get five if you actually run that experiment. But, you know, on average, that's what you'd expect to get. So you can you can model all those things using, you know, fairly simple statistics, um, which I'm actually not a statistics expert. I just sort of pretend to be one on the internet sometimes. But, you know, you can use these kind of you know, fairly simple concepts and string them together and get some pretty interesting results. So, um, you know, and of course, a basketball game is not like a coin flip experiment. Although if if you think about it, um, the effective field goal percentage is pretty close to 50%. So you actually can model a basketball game like a long series of coin flips and it actually works surprisingly well, but that's another story for another day. So, um, but that's kind of the the general uh, methodology that I like to use. Um, And so, if we sort of start to dig into Nebraska's actual schedule and, and how some of the math works out, um, the first thing to note is I, I did all of my my initial wave of analysis um, based on the preseason Ken Palm numbers, which, you know, they're not, I don't know how he actually derives those numbers. And so you sort of have to trust that they're more or less accurate. Um, but in the preseason, um, Nebraska was ranked one, 117th in the Big Ten, which um, Unfortunately, that's 14th place in the Big Ten. And um, Kevin, can you remind us how many teams are in the Big Ten? Unfortunately, there are 14. That's correct. There are 14. So, yes. So, unfortunately, Nebraska is, according to Ken Palm, the weakest team in the Big Ten. 
So that's not great. And then the other problem is that the Big Ten is actually looking very strong top to bottom this year. Um, and again, if you believe Ken Palm, um, 10 of the 14 teams are ranked in the top 30, and six of the teams are ranked in the top 20 in his preseason um, numbers. And, you know, that's, of course, going to change. Teams will either um, overperform or underperform, but that's, you know, sort of the data that we have to go with right now. So um, that's kind of the, the intro. Um, and sort of the next thing that I wanted to look at was the overall kind of strength of schedule. And so I took a look at that and um, fairly, a fair amount of depth. Um, and so if we start to look at that, um, just as a reminder, there are, there are going to be 20 total games this year in Big Ten play. There was some question early in the season if they were going to play the full 20-game schedule as they have done over the last few years. Um, but they did decide to do that. So 20 games are scheduled. Um, that means you have seven teams that you play twice, and you have um, an additional three home games and additional three road games. So this year, um, the Huskers will play uh, Michigan, Indiana, and Rutgers at home, and they're going to have to go only on the road to Ohio State, Iowa, and Northwestern. So as we look at sort of the the ranking of the teams, the good news for the Huskers is that they play Maryland, and Minnesota, and Penn State twice, and those are you know, basically three of the four weakest teams predicted by Ken Palm. Those are th uh, three of the four teams that are ranked outside of the top 30. Um, they also only draw uh, the Buckeyes and the Hawkeyes once, so that's good. Um, but the downside is that um, you only get Northwestern once, and Northwestern is, you know, basically ranked number 13. So that's a bit of a schedule disadvantage that you guys have. And unfortunately, um, they swept us last year. <laughs> Oh, I didn't. Our, I didn't our best know chances that. for wins, and uh, after well, after we started the losing streak, that is, and uh, unfortunately, they swept us in both games. So, um, well, the the one NU can't really trash talk the other NU too much. <laughs> well, you should never be dissuaded from trash talking, in my opinion. Trash talking knows no knows no boundaries of wins and wins and losses. Um, and and sadly, you don't even get Northwestern and, and Lincoln this year. You get it in Evanston, so. Uh, that does impact things a little bit. Um, the other disadvantage for Nebraska, um, ironically, is that you don't get to play the worst team in the conference. Um, and that actually does figure into it a little bit. Um, and that's actually uh, another interesting topic in itself. So um, as we think about kind of how to calculate strength of schedule, that's another topic that I've um, kind of thought about quite a bit. And I've seen a lot of different methods and none of them seem terribly good, honestly, because they don't, they seem to be kind of an arbitrary number. And it's like, you know, this team is 10.7 and this team is 8.3. And it's like, well, what do those numbers actually mean? And so one of the things I tried to do this year was to try to quantify the strength of schedule. And I, I did that using the expected value method that I mentioned before, where basically um, I can estimate how many ex expected wins each team has, and that's fine. But what I, in order to evaluate schedules, what I basically did is kind of run an experiment where you sort of, sort of on paper, you play every schedule, but you do it with what is effectively an average power five team. So you sort of fix that team's strength and then you, you, you calculate how many wins they would be expected to get using, you know, the schedule of Nebraska or Iowa or Michigan or Michigan State, whoever. And that gives you a chance to sort of compare the, the schedule strength on more of a you know, consistent basis. And so when I went through that exercise, um, Nebraska actually winds up with the second hardest schedule of all Big Ten teams. And ironically, the, 
the most difficult schedule sadly goes to Northwestern who just can't seem to get a break at all this year. Um, and so that's also going to put you a little bit in a hole, unfortunately. So just to give you some numbers, um, if an average team were to play Nebraska's schedule, um, I would predict uh, basically a, a shade over 10 wins, 10.09 is what it comes out to be. Um, and just to give you a little bit of comparison, the easiest schedule in the Big Ten this year um, is actually uh, Wisconsin, who also is predicted to be the strongest team. So I guess the rich get richer. Um, and if you look at it, it's, it's really not very fair at all because Wisconsin's expected win of their schedule is actually a full game better than um, Nebraska's. Um, so that's kind of the range that what you expect of, of how much the schedule can impact things. And if you, if you look at it, um, Wisconsin actually plays uh, the four weakest teams in the conference, Maryland, Penn State, Northwestern, and Nebraska. It plays, the Badgers play, play all of those teams twice. Um, and in fact, they're the only Big Ten team that plays all four of those teams twice, which seems like kind of an unfair advantage for them. But um, there's a reason that they nicknamed the Big Ten scheduling computer Barry Alvarez, I think. Um, that's just a rumor. But, um, but that's uh, kind of where uh, Nebraska's schedule fits. Um, but as I say, there is a bit of a disadvantage to um, Nebraska not being able to play themselves. And so I, I have another mathematical trick where I try to, I try to sort of factor that out. Um, but it actually doesn't help very much. If I do that, uh, Nebraska's schedule goes from second hardest to third hardest. Um, so it, it's still a pretty tough schedule, no matter how you slice it. Um, the only comfort I will, I will give you guys is that Iowa's schedule is also very difficult. Um, their schedule is either 13th or 14th, um, if, that, if that makes the listeners feel any better. Um, oh, poor Iowa. Yeah. Poor, poor Hawkeyes. Maybe if they could learn to play defense, they'd actually have a shot at the title this time. Maybe I was gonna I was gonna rip on their defense too, and you beat me to it. But I'm glad we're on the same page there. Um, yeah, I do not pick Iowa to, to win the Big Ten this year, but for that exact reason. Um, so that's the uh, that's the story on strength of schedule. And so if I dig into the, um, the number of wins we can actually expect for the Huskers this year, um, if I run through all the math, um, I actually simulated the season a million times. Um, just for fun. Um, my computer didn't have anything better to do on a Friday night, so I just had to do that instead. Um, and the number that I get is 3.45 is the expected number of wins. So that's uh, out of 20. That's um, it's not great, um, but that's what it, it the is math more tells than us. last year. Oh, okay. So that's by, uh, by 1.45. Oh, so hopefully, hopefully it rounds up. It it may. I, and, and I, it I realize is, mathematically it doesn't work that way to go from 0.45 to round up but you know i i wasn't a math major so i'm just going to go ahead and round up to four so yeah well three and four what are you going to do um if i go into the uh, uh the real nitty-gritty details it's it's about a 24 percent chance of getting three wins and a 22 percent chance of getting four so it's actually pretty close so another way to view that is that it's about a fifth about a 45 percent chance to win three or four games um, there's about a 25% chance to win five or more. So I think that would be kind of the optimistic range. So if you get to five wins, I think you can count that as a, a fairly successful season. Um, but the downside is that there is a 30% chance of getting, you know, two wins or, or fewer, um, which would be sad, I think, for everyone involved. So that's kind of the big picture. But if we were to zoom in and kind of look at the schedule in more detail, uh, we can get a feel for kind of the, the ebb and flow of how uh, this might go. 
Um, and so one thing that is, um, should be known right off the bat is that if you look at Ken Palm or you look at you know, other sources that might project the point spreads, um, actually Nebraska is not favored right now, or not expected to be favored in any of the 20 Big Ten games. Um, so that's not great, but you know, as I say, it's, uh, even, if the, even if the coin was unfairly weighted to be, you know, come up head 60% of the time, you'd still expect some tails in there, right? So uh, that's kind of the way we can, we can think about this. Um, and as we'll, I look uh, at, oh, oh, sorry, we'll, we'll nickname it the the opposite Jim Harbaugh effect. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's reasonable. I like that. And uh, nobody uh, nobody has the expectations overperform. That's right. You know the Other than I always all say the expectations that, and underperform. Mm, yeah, that is the, that is the opposite. Um, well, you know, I always say that happiness is the difference between uh, expectation and reality. So, you know, that's really what we're here for, right? So if we uh, kind of dig into the schedule in more detail, the, the way I, I look at it, as I was looking at this a little bit earlier today, is that I, I would break the season up into kind of four distinct sections um, of, you know, anywhere between four and six games. Um, and as I look at the schedule, you know, starting with Wisconsin on the road, um, that is pretty much the worst. Um, that's kind of the worst thing that can happen because, again, Wisconsin is, in theory, the best team in the conference. We'll see if that actually is true, but they're projected to be. So you're, I guess maybe that's on some level good. You're, you're starting with the, the toughest challenge right off the bat. Um, but, along, but that entire stretch of the first five games is, is tough. Um, I mean, that's, it's, it starts at Wisconsin. Uh, then on Christmas Day, you host Michigan. Then you go to Ohio State. You host Michigan State. And then, and, and then end that final stretch on the fifth with the game at Purdue. Um, so, so that's going to be a tough stretch. Um, if I go through the math, the you know, expected number of wins there is right around um, 0.5. So if you can, if you can squeeze a win out of one of those five games, that would definitely be a success. Um, wouldn't necessarily bank on it. The best chance looks to be um, a Christmas, a Christmas miracle against Michigan, which would of course, you know, I would be down for that. That'd be great. If you could do that, that'd be, that'd be swell. Um, it would be the third win ever against Michigan in the big 10. Ooh. So yeah, it's, it's a brutal, brutal, brutal record that Nebraska has against the Wolverines. Really? I've very, very much that. upsets me. <laughs> well, I, I would be, I'll be rooting for you guys hard on that particular day. I, I guarantee it. Um, in that, well, this is maybe less good news, but the, the second best chance would be to beat Michigan State on the, the 2nd of, of January. So um, sadly, I will not be rooting for you guys on that, on that day. But, me um, either. Yeah. Sorry, okay. listeners. <laughs> It's okay. You guys know that about me, though. So, so that's kind of the first stretch, which is pretty brutal. But then after that, things lighten up a little bit for the next six games. Uh, the next six games are, are quite a bit more winnable. Um, you have a home game at Indiana uh, or versus Indiana, um, Illinois at home, at Maryland, um, home versus Minnesota, at Iowa, and home against Penn State. So, uh, again, um, the Huskers are not expected to be favored at this point in any of those six contests. And certainly the road game at Iowa doesn't look great, uh, although they, do, they are defensively challenged, so who knows. Um, but within that other group of five games, or if we just take that six games as a cluster, um, most likely the Huskers should be able to pull at least one win out of there, maybe two. If you can get two in that stretch, I think things are, are, are going well. Um, the most likely there would be um, at, it would be the Penn State game or the Minnesota game are the two most likely in that stretch. So those would be the ones to sort of, uh, you know, feel a little bit more optimistic on those, on those days. 
Um, and then we turn the calendar to February. Um, and then there's a four game stretch that is maybe the most challenging of the whole year, I would say. Um, it starts with an away game at Michigan State, followed by um, a, road, a road game in Minnesota. Uh, then Wisconsin at home and Penn State on the road. So th basically three road games out of four. Um, again, the expected number of wins in that stretch is also 0.5. So um, the good news there is is that it's, you know, reasonably, luck reasonably likely that the Huskers will pull one upset somewhere in that stretch of difficult games, either at the beginning or the beginning of January and, and late December or the early part of February. So there's, you know, something to maybe look forward to there. Again, just don't beat Michigan State. That would make me sad. Um, but that is kind of the last tough stretch. And then actually the home stretch coming in mid-February into uh, the finale um, on March, March 7th, um, those games are a little lighter. So you have Maryland at home, Purdue at home, at Illinois, uh, Rutgers at home, and then Northwestern on the road. And again, all of those games, your win probabilities are, you know, 20 to 35%. So, you know, that's, you know, there's some winnable games in there, hopefully. Uh, again, I would, ex the expected number of wins there is about one. So you, you should be able to, you know, pick off one of those. The, uh, the Maryland game at home would be the most likely in that, in that cluster of games. So, um, so yeah, so it's, there's at least a chance to, to end the season on somewhat of a, a positive note um, looking at that schedule. Um, so that's kind of what I would expect. So, you know, basically by the time you enter that, um, that, that sort of final stretch, hopefully you've got two to three wins in the bank and you can, you know, try to shoot to get to, to four or five. Um, that would be sort of optimistic. So I, I would say that op optimistically, you know, maybe five wins are, uh, are maybe would be what I would shoot for, for a, a good season, um, at least based on what we know now. So the, uh, the piped in crowd noise at Northwestern might actually be louder than the real crowd. Mm. Definitely going to be the case at Penn State, though. I, I'm sure of that. And the atmosphere among the crowd in Wisconsin will finally match their style of play. That is true. It'd be like, um, yeah, they, they used to have one player who was a center from a few years back that looked like he was literally a vampire. And, and um, it just seemed to, to go so well with that program. But I forget the kid's name. So it'd be a much better joke if I could. Um, and I, I did want to also say just a couple things about the Big Ten tournament, um, uh, just because I finally was able to work out the, an algorithm to do the tiebreakers, which made me happy. So um, if, I, if I go through the math of potential Big Ten tournament seeds, um, of course, right now, being that, that Nebraska is favored to be the, the weakest team in the conference, um, it should come as no surprise that they're also favored to, you know, uh, most likely get the 14th seed in the Big Ten tournament. I give you about an 80% chance of that right now. Again, knowing what we know now, which is, you know, not necessarily accurate. Um, and then the other part is that, of course, you know, it's better if you can avoid that first round game on Wednesday of the Big Ten tournament so that if you could sneak your way up into the 10th seed, that would be ideal. Um, unfortunately, I only give Nebraska a 0.5% chance of that happening. So, I'm saying that there's still a chance, but it's small. So, um, and then finally, I did also run, uh, based on some of these numbers, a simulation of the Big Ten tournament. Um, I am happy to report that there are some scenarios where Nebraska wins the Big Ten tournament to earn that automatic bid to the, uh, the big dance. Um, unfortunately, the odds of that, um, in a million simulations, I only came up with 61 occurrences of Nebraska winning the Big Ten tournament, which comes out to odds of one in 16,000. So, 
Were any of those with them starting uh, on Wednesday? They were, oh, that I don't have that specific data. I don't track it in that, all of the scenarios uh, like that. That's a great question. Probably uh, yeah, some it, of them. Yeah, it, it would be the first time ever, obviously. The uh, farthest, I think one team only has made it as far as Saturday when starting on Wednesday. Oh, wow. Pretty sure. I looked that up last year and I don't 100% remember, but I'm 99% sure it was only one team. Yeah, that's that's not surprising. That does sound familiar. And I actually did some, um, I did run some numbers on kind of the effect that, you know, just playing one additional game in the Big Ten tournament would have. Um, and it does, it does make a pretty significant difference. Like um, I did it for a team that would be, you know, maybe on par with Michigan State's strength. And I think that like, if you get the double buy, your odds of winning winning the tournament are about 16% for a contender level team. And then it goes down to like 10% if you get the five seed and then it drops to like, you know, six or 4% if you were to artificially place that team in the, in the, the first round. So, you know, it, it drops pretty precipitously if you, you know, have to play that extra game. So um, it's definitely better to avoid that if you can. I mean, obviously, you know, your odds of win of winning are, you know, go to hundred percent if you don't have to play that first game. So, um, so yeah, but um, so that's the majority of what I wanted to go over. Although I will leave you with some maybe slightly positive, more positive thoughts, which is that, you know, the, these uh, estimates that I did were, were based on the preseason Ken Palm rankings. And I am happy to, to tell you that actually Nebraska um, has gone up slightly. Um, your Ken Palm efficiency has gone from about four to roughly six um, efficiency margin, I should say. And actually that tends to push your expected number of wins a little closer to four. So, you know, move it in the right direction. Um, and then, you know, a phrase that I like to use is probability is not destiny. So even though that's what the numbers say now, it doesn't mean that, that that's how things will end up. You know, sometimes teams are just a lot better than we think. So um, I don't honestly know enough about Nebraska's roster to judge that, but um, you know, certainly there's po- it's, it's possible that uh, good things might happen. And I like Hoiberg. He's always, uh, always been a fan of him as a coach. I like Tim miles though, too. And I guess we saw that turned out, but, um, but yeah, so I would be, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Nebraska overachieved and that I think would be, would be fun for everybody. I, I enjoy Nebraska basketball as much as the next uh, Michigan State fan. I, uh, I did pull these on Tuesday afternoon um, for a column that I do over at BT powerhouse. Um, But uh, Iowa happens to be 75th defensively as of Tuesday afternoon and Nebraska was 93rd. So significantly better um, this year across the board, really, in Ken Palm rankings compared to where they finished last season, which was somewhere in the 240s, I think, overall. Um, I don't remember broken down specifically, but I mean, they, they already had jumped from 114 in the preseason to 104th. So they yeah. moved up 10. So it's not insignificant by yeah, any means. Exactly. Not, not insignificant. Huge difference when you have P6 talent uh, on the court instead of a, a cobbled together roster of Chucos. Not to, to you know, harshly belittle anyone on the roster last season by any means. Those guys played in super close in a ton of games. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. It's a big roster upgrade in terms of talent overall so far this season. And uh, numbers, are, numbers are looking nice on that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so who um, who most likely wins the Big Ten in your simulation, by the way? 
Well, right now I still have Wisconsin. Um, it's pretty heavily influenced by um, the preseason rankings. And I, I pretty soon I've been playing with those numbers a little bit and I'm going to rerun them because actually Wisconsin has dropped a little bit and actually Michigan State has come up. Um, but my initial set of simulations gave Wisconsin a 38% chance to win the regular season title. Um, and Michigan State and Ohio State were both right at 18%. Um, Ken Palm really likes Ohio State like way more than anyone else does. So I don't quite know what to think of that. Um, but I'd say that MSU is moving up and Wisconsin is, is moving down. Um, but again, there's that schedule advantage. Wisconsin has a very significant schedule advantage this year. Um, it's probably worth a good you know, 8 to 10 percentage points um, towards that regular season title. So um, it's still looking like the Badgers, but, you know, you never know. And, um, you know, and, and it's the other question that sometimes will come up is, you know, what type of record is it going to take to win the Big Ten? Um, and my simulation actually will tell you that too. And it looks like, I mean, right now, most likely it's 15 and five. So the champ will probably have about five losses. Um, I give it about, let's see, about 30. It's about one third chance that it'll, it'll be 15 and five, but you know, if it's, you know, 16 and four or better, about a 30% chance. So, you know, four or five losses will still win the big 10, which is pretty, I think that's pretty historically consistent. I don't know. I forget how many years of data we have for the 20 game schedule, but you know, Every year it's like, oh, this team's going to go 18 and two. And it's like, no, no, they're not. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's I want to say happen. this is the third straight, I think third straight season with 20 games. Sounds um, right. Yeah. It's not, it's not too far. It's, if it's not third, it's fourth. Um, no more than that though. It's, it's not the fifth season that hasn't been around nearly that long. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you remember offhand what it was? 14 and six was the three way tie for first place last season, right? Or was it 15 and five? Um, boy, I don't have, I can look that up fairly quickly, but, um, just need to get to it. Uh, 14 and six was the, uh, the three way tie last year between Maryland, Michigan state and Wisconsin. And of course, uh, ninth place, Michigan, <laughs> oh yeah, ninth place, man. Hate to see it. Hey, you just you hate to see that for poor Juan Howard. Yeah. Know? All all that money for all of his uh, teammates, and and that's all you get. Yeah. Well, you know they're they're pretty good at throwing money away in Ann Arbor, you know, and lost causes. But. Most definitely. Whereas uh, Hoiberg is here to build a program that'll last. So that's, that's right. It'll it'll be fun uh, when we upset Michigan later this season. So. Yep, on Christmas Day. Just to um, the idea of of ruining Christmas for Wolverine fans is something I can definitely get behind. It, it'll be the best Christmas miracle in quite a while. Yeah. Um, although it is weird that they're playing Big Ten basketball on Christmas Day. I when I saw that That's on the calendar, I could not figure out what that is all about. And Michigan State actually plays Wisconsin on that day, which is also just crazy because that's you know you know on uh, on some measure the two best teams in the conference playing each other right off the bat so yeah i want to say it's four four games total on christmas day for a big time play which if the point is is basically to keep athletes from going home and being exposed to covid and you know keep them safe and while you're at it why not play basketball if you can't do anything for christmas i get it but i mean for both players and fans and everyone involved the support staff i mean that's really kind of crappy yeah but it is what it is uh hopefully the tv payout for it 
you know, evens out for, for ad dollars or whatever. I mean, yeah. I, I also call him Delaney Bucks, even though he's no longer <laughs> with them. But BTN is, will always be the Delaney Bucks to me. So. It's legacy Delaney Bucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're so. still legal tender. They're still recognized as legal tender in the office, I think. Exactly. So. Yeah, I, I am showing four games on Christmas Day. We've got Wisconsin at Michigan State, Iowa at Minnesota, Michigan at Nebraska, and Maryland at Purdue. So at least at least our two schools get to stay at home for Christmas. So there's yeah. that. We got that going for us. Very true. Nothing nothing beats a white Christmas in East Lansing or uh, you know white Christmas in Lincoln for that matter as well in yeah. this case. So a green and white and red and white, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, my my household being split between green and white and uh, red and white for Nebraska, it's it's always Christmas. It's always mm. Christmas themed in our home. So that makes sense. Tis the season. Yeah, always tis the season. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well. Um, and unless there were uh, any further thoughts that you had to add, uh, do you want to let folks know um, where to find some of your work? Um, I know besides the only colors, you have your own blog as well. Is that right? I do have my own blog, but it's really just an archive of things that I put on the only color. So I don't, I don't use that that much, but um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Paul Fanson um, or just search Dr. Green and White. That might be easier. Or you can find me on the only colors, um, kicking around articles every, you know, a couple every week or so. Um, that's probably the easiest place to find me. And uh, thanks again for coming on. Uh, we appreciate no it by all means. Hope the listeners enjoyed the breakdown on that. And uh, yeah, um, again, uh, to all of our listeners out there, uh, be sure to keep um, subscribing. Uh, I have my whole spiel here and I'm forgetting it. It's I'm, I'm a little rusty guys. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Bangs and Dags. Uh, myself at Sparty on Huskers. The co-host Patrick at Patrick Gearhart. Um, leave a review either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, pretty sure we're offered on Spotify, or you know the article itself at CornNation.com. And uh, please listen and subscribe and pass us along to your friends. And you guys stay classy. <laughs>